0: Hey, this is Matt Sturgis, the writer of such books as Jack of Fables and House of Mystery, Blue Beetle and other stuff. And you're listening to Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. you are (laughs) (laughs) it's not a certainty believe me but uh today you got me in a good day
1: good deal good deal well this is aaron and uh over there is paul hey matt hey paul
2: how's it going it's well well, i mean you just told us you were you're you're freaking awesome
1: yeah look at this it
0: it, when you guys talk your little things light up so i know who's that's fucking brilliant
1: yeah it's pretty amazing this whole internet thing i think it's going to catch on I think it might
0: just take off. I've been hearing about this thing. You know, I've been not meaning to check talk it to out.
2: Prince. Prince says it's not going to catch on.
0: Prince is not about the internet, huh?
2: No, apparently not. He, uh, Yeah, he, he says the internet is is a fad.
0: It is. <laughs> you know, he may be right. We'll just have to wait and see.
1: Well, you know, I think that hurts uh, Al Gore's feelings.
2: You well, know, yeah. Having well, created it and all.
1: Yeah, he did.
2: They'll have to duke it out, you know, Thunderdome style.
1: That would be great. I'd pay to see that.
0: I would love to see them debate each other.
1: That would be cool too, but well, maybe they fight at the end of it and you know, settle it, you know? Right. Every yeah, you know, there's 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 the actual, but you got to do it Lincoln Douglas style, you know. None of this like TV <laughs> debate stuff, you know, and then at the end of it it's a cage match. But I yeah, also I like need I also need Prince to be wearing the full purple suit, high-heeled shoes from Purple Rain.
0: Right, the whole bit. Two men enter, one man leaves, but yeah. one man kills with sexiness.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I see it. I totally see it. And Apollonia's got to be there. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah, see? Next week on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly.
1: <laughs> So, So is this the podcast?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Welcome
1: to the show. <laughs> we just talk about people that we'd like to see debate and fight each other. I could do that all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it has been like two years since we've talked to you. Last time we decided it it with really? you has been like uh September, August two thousand and nine. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so long time. And uh, you know, we were talking about uh, Final Crisis Run last oh, time and now we talked about yeah. all kinds of stuff back then. So what you been up to?
0: What have I been up to? Let's see. Uh yeah, Final Crisis Run, that was a huge success. Um <laughs> well you know the thing about that book is that i really liked it and Same uh freddy and i had a blast doing it i mean i think that the fact that you know not too many people bought it isn't really a, a strike against it uh you know except in the terms that the dc wanted me to write fewer things for them after i wrote it but uh, <laughs> i thought it was you know i thought it was awesome so you know, by that criterion alone, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy with the way it came out. You know, I think a lot of people didn't really understand what it was that we were trying to do. You know, the, the people that did uh, loved it, mm-hmm. and the rest of the people were just like, what What is this? I don't.
1: What you are know, they I, doing? I really enjoyed Final Crisis Run, which you know, for me was strange because I was not a big fan of Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. But I, I really enjoyed Final Crisis, Ryan. I, I liked what you were doing there. You, you took a character that uh, you know was really kind of a sea level character, and um, he was bad guy and making bad choices, and terrible things were happening to him. And I just I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that was the point—just yeah. to have a bad guy doing stupid things and, uh, <laughs> and having a lot of fun at his expense.
1: Yeah. And you know, requiring a ton of dental work by the time that uh, series was over, he <laughs> was getting teeth knocked out left, right, and center. So, you know. yeah,
0: yeah, Freddie loves to draw people getting their teeth knocked out. I don't know if
1: that's a <laughs> thing with him or, or what. He's, you know, dentists in the, in, the, in 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 comic book worlds must do you know just a bang up business, particularly cosmetic <laughs> dentists.
0: <laughs> yeah, four out of five dentists uh, <laughs> enjoy superhero battles.
1: There you go, there you go. So, what you've been working on? You got a little thing called Jack of Fables that uh, has wrapped up.
0: That, yeah, that wrapped up. I just got the uh, – my comps for the, the final trade paperback showed up on my doorstep the other day. And it was kind of a wistful moment because I realized that's the last jack of fables that's ever going to show up on my doorstep. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So I – the but the real trade, the real final trade hasn't come out – or the final trade hasn't come out for real people yet. You got an advance, right? Yeah. They they, they like to
0: do that sometimes. Yeah. They like to get, give me things before other people see them. Um, I just yeah, seems they,
1: hurtful. Well, you know, to the I'm rest sorry. of us, yeah, well, I'll I mean, send you one. You want please. You one?
0: please. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got a big stack of them. I don't know what the hell to do with them. I'll sell them at conventions. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess it comes out in the next couple of weeks. I'm not real, real sure exactly. It, it's nice, you know, to see it all wrapped well, up, time. and I have them all lined up on my shelf now. It's a complete thing. It's a nice, big, wide uh, thing that takes up a good portion of my shelf. I'm, you know, and I'm real proud of it. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing about it I would change it uh it always made us laugh. We always had a great time writing it. and it was also kind of the thing that got me a career in comics. so I'll always be there'll always be a special place in my heart for that
1: book. So was it intended to to you know be a, a finite series of books or you know what what was the intent on 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 that series?
0: At the beginning, I, I don't know that there was much of an intent. It, it was always me and Bill just doing whatever the hell we wanted to, and we, we were real lucky in that Bill's success gave him the leeway to have a book like that where we could just do pretty much whatever we wanted and and dc would publish it i mean there, there were very few things that that we tried that that we didn't get away with and you know we really didn't try to maintain any like you know boundaries you know good taste or you know we had sex and killing and violence and incest and i mean pretty you name it all we put of, my, it in favorite all of yeah, my favorite things all of my favorite things exactly and mine too both in life <laughs> and in, in literature so you know we got away with it all and we had a blast doing it but, uh, oh, but to answer your question, uh, no, we didn't really have an end in mind when we started. We just thought we'd do it until it stopped being fun. Mm-hmm. And when we decided that we could see the it not being fun coming, looming on the horizon, we thought, well, you know, let's let's stop it now before it stops being fun. Mm-hmm. And then we'll leave everyone who cares wanting more, rather than everyone going, yeah, well, thank God this is finally over, you know. <laughs>
1: Well, that's the way to do it.
0: Yeah, because you know, the last thing you want, you, know, you go in the comic shop and you, you see people walking out with their stack of books you know, clenched in their fists going,
2: why
1: the fuck am I still buying this? <laughs>
0: and that's the last thing you want.
1: And, and sadly, there are some of those books out there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, think we all have, I think we all have those books.
1: Yeah, we all have a title or two that, uh, why yeah. am I still reading this? Well, excellent. Uh, you know, I, I, when we talked last time, I had not been a Jack of Fables reader but you you spoke so passionately about it that mm-hmm. I I picked up the first trade now I'm about 5 trades in so I I guess I'm about halfway to the end I've, I've been reading it in trade and trading really enjoying it the artwork on that book is killer yeah. just, you know you you have been uh, very blessed with uh, with some you know fantastic art in 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 the Jack of Fables books
0: you know and I didn't realize it cuz Tony Akins was the first artist I ever worked with in comics uh, and not just on Jack of Fables, but I had written an inventory script for fables mm-hmm. that never saw the light of day. Uh, I think that, uh, Shelley Bond, our, our editor at DC, she just let me do it to get me off her back. Cause I was yeah. calling and emailing and, you know, I, I did everything short of showing up at her doorstep with candy and flowers in order to get her to let me do something for vertigo. Cause it's all I ever wanted to do. And, so they let me write this fables inventory script, and Tony Akins drew it. So it's it's there at sitting in someone's drawer somewhere. Uh, no one will ever see it, and it, which is probably good because it's not my best work. It's <laughs> the first script I ever wrote. Right. But they signed off on it, so that's their fault. Uh, but then you know to get to work with Tony on Jack, you know he's such a a, a skillful artist and a playful and intelligent artist um, that I I didn't realize that not all artists were like that, and right. so. You know, I, and I've worked with other artists since that weren't as, uh, you know, as, as talented as, as Tony. Uh-huh. Uh, although I, I have to say that, you know, in, in my brief run in comics, I've been blessed with an incredible array of really talented guys. You know, it's yeah, just the, really have.
1: I the mean, very
0: rare exceptions that haven't been, you know, up to snuff. But yeah, Tony really got it. And and Russ Braun, too, deserves a lot of credit because, uh, you know, when people think Jack of Fables, they think Tony Aikens. But Russ drew a huge amount of that book, and he not only did it without um, jarring the reader you know, away from Tony's style, but bringing his own kind of thing to it. And he did some really, really fantastic and some really funny stuff in there. Mm-hmm. So we were real happy that, that both of them got to work on the final issue.
1: Well, it's got to be great, you know, looking back at, you know, starting Jack of Fables from the beginning to the end, having written, you know, the entire series, having it all collected. That's mm-hmm. got to be pretty satisfying.
0: Yeah, it feels like I, it feels like I did something with my life. You know? If, <laughs> you know, if nothing else, I can look on that. And I said, I wrote this filthy book.
1: <laughs> when well, you, you can you can take it to your high school reunion and say, look at what I did
0: exactly exactly (laughs) that's all i care about is rubbing it in the faces of the people i went to high school with
1: that's right well that's what life is about
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know i didn't go to my 20 year reunion my that came and went a couple of years ago and i i bowed out you know and and i could have i could have gone you know and i was doing something cool you know like writing comics so i could have you know gone in there and but you know a lot of times when you tell people you write comics they're like oh that's a thing you know it's not always the you know i used to be like yeah i write comics and people be like oh how nice for you i didn't realize that was they still made those (laughs) it kind of makes you feel (laughs) less awesome when you get that response
1: Yeah, i haven't seen those at the drugstore in a while
0: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly or the the one that my favorite was the the woman who was cutting my hair and when i told her that i wrote comics she goes oh you mean like garfield
2: (laughs) and i kind of took
0: a beat and uh, yeah (laughs) like Garfield
1: <laughs> just like that
0: just like Garfield
1: i used to work for the state of texas in uh, the department of human services and my aunt would introduce me and she goes well you know this is this is my my nephew aaron and he works for food stamps <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't get reimbursed in food stamps. I determine eligibility for that program. <laughs>
0: right, right, not quite the same thing. Now, I do. Uh, I do almost all of my writing at Starbucks. Uh, there's a Starbucks near my house, and I go there. And I know all the people who work there. And so it's almost like having a workplace. And so when my daughter uh, was asked in class, you know, what does your dad do for a living? She said, he works at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> So my, that was pretty awesome. But at my, least if I worked at Starbucks, I'd get free health insurance.
1: There you go. There you go. So, uh, you know, you've moved on from uh, Jack of Fables, and concurrently mm-hmm. with Jack of Fables, you've got House of Mystery. Correct. Tell us about House of Mystery. What, what what about it? I could say
0: all kinds of stuff about it.
1: Well, you know, it's continuing on post uh, the DC reboot, mm-hmm. as I understand it anyway. Yep. So uh, what are you guys spinning on right now and what can we look forward To in House of Mystery?
0: Sure Um, Right now we are The the current storyline that's going on right now Is called Desolation And it is the culmination of The big story arc That's been In motion since the first issue Of the series and so In the next couple of issues you're going to Learn pretty much All the answers that started in that uh, that first issue. Um, and, uh, what remains beyond that? I cannot say, um, hush, hush, top secret, but this is, you know, if you're, if you're, this is a real exciting time to be reading the book. If you've been following it all this time, we've, you know, we've got some fantastic artists as always. I mean, every month it seems like there's just, you know, the most amazing artists. I think the most recent issue had David Lapham and we've got, um, uh, uh, Peter Schneiberg, Schneiberg? Schneiberg? uh <laughs> whose name I can't pronounce, but whose art I love, uh, is in the next issue. And he does this just fantastic story about uh, a a gargoyle named Goldie and the magical thing that happens to her. So it's just, you know, month in, month out, we have these great guys and, and gals. And I just try to write something that they can sink their teeth into. I've been so lucky. Um, issue 36, I had Darwin Cook. Who I, I was terrified to write a story for Darwin Cook because it's fucking Darwin Cook, um, and I wrote the story and I was real timid and I, I sent it to him. And I was like, you know, here you go, Mister Cook. I I hope you like my pitiful story, you know. And he was all for it. It was the really the the email that I got back from him after he'd read the story is like, I wish I could print it out and hang it on my wall because it was so uh, so positive and so encouraging. And he really got into it and he got the story and he was real excited to draw it. And the the thing that he drew was just this amazing uh, thing. So I can't, you know, I couldn't have been couldn't have been happier.
1: If you were going to pitch House of Mystery to somebody who's who's not picked up this book before, how would you mm-hmm. characterize the book? House of Mystery is a
0: series about five people who are trapped in a bar, and they don't know why they're stuck there, but they do know this: in this place. They will trade drinks for stories they're so bored living there and they have no other form of entertainment and they have all the magical food and drinks that they uh, can produce. Uh, They've started this tradition of when people come in, they tell a story and they get a free beer or uh, some, you know, tater skins or whatever it is they're after. And that's the, the basic focus of the book from the beginning. And we follow a young gal named Fig Keel who finds herself as the newest addition to this staff who cannot leave, but she is determined to be the one who does leave. And as the series progresses, we learn all sorts of interesting things about Fig and who she is and her past and why she is the way she is. And we discover that she's got uh, a very interesting connection to the house of mystery itself and to the wider world beyond. And it's ostensibly a horror series, but, that doesn't stop us from telling stories that are comedic or dramatic or silly or stupid or, you know, anything in between the, the my favorite thing about house of mystery is that it's never any one thing. Mm-hmm. And in our sixth volume that just came out and is in stores now, it's called safe of house, safe as houses. Uh, it's sort of the, like the culmination in terms of, of what's possible in this world, because you've got, uh, our heroine Fig fighting alongside a witch queen who has hired an army of goblins to fight for her kingdom against uh, an army of robots and a monster. And there's a stuffed rabbit there who's a hero. And I mean, you—if that's not enough for you, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I don't know what to well, tell I, you. I, I
2: mean- I was kind of sold with tater skins at the House of Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little hungry and I'm curious as to how they
0: taste. I love tater skins. And they're magical tater skins, so you can only imagine how great that, they must be.
2: With magic bacon.
0: With I'm magic sold. bacon, yes. It's perfectly crisp every time.
2: <laughs> I think we've just discovered a subject of uh, issue 42 of House of Mystery.
0: Yeah, the all bacon issue.
2: <laughs> the all bacon oh, issue. Yeah, I, I mean, mean,
0: Smith. Yeah. I mean dip. everything is better with bacon, right? So That's why not a comic? Correct. In fact, what if you uh okay, okay, picture this. Okay. Issue forty two comes out and it's shrink wrapped, and under the shrink wrap is a piece of bacon. I like it. Who would pay $3.99 for that? Done. Right? Right? <laughs> I think I'm up something here. House of bacon. We're renaming the title.
1: Well and, you know, that could be a whole thing for DC, you know, holding the line at bacon. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sold i am too let's get to do on the phone and uh, get this happening we can make this happen bacon i I think that is how you get kids today into comics with bacon look kids you can have a comic book and bacon we laugh but if you
0: saw a comic that came with bacon wouldn't you think about it
1: i would be all over it
0: Yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah my only question you know is it is it is it you know, getting grease on the pages, you know, is there perhaps some it's sort individually of... It's wrapped. Yeah. <laughs> the bacon is polybagged. It's yeah. like a cheeky. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like some kind of cellophane, you know, inside the polybag.
0: <laughs> yeah. Would you like your bacon bagged and boarded, sir?
1: <laughs> well, this is the special bacon issue of Fantastic Four. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. It, it requires... It's a silver age bacon, so you have to use a larger bag
1: i i think that i think we're on to something you know the 90s have hollow foil gatefold covers Mm -hmm. you know i think you know bacon in your comics yeah no i this is gonna be a thing
2: (laughs) i I could see it now
1: yeah it's gonna be a thing
0: huge huge yeah i just want to make sure that i get royalties from because this was my idea (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna get a patent right now
2: right now it's your comic Right. I want to make sure we get royalties.
1: Yeah, but we get we get to bust the news on our podcast, Paul. Yeah, Funny exclusive. Books exclusive. Matt Sturr just launches DC's Bacon Initiative. <laughs> the Bacon Initiative. I
2: like it. Coming this October.
1: So, it does this a Vertigo book? Does House of Mystery exist outside of the DC continuity? It
0: does. You know, where it exists is more than anything in the Sandman continuity, which, you know, I guess by extension takes place in the DCU, uh-huh. but we never really troubled ourselves with that kind of thinking. Um, you know, the the first two pages of the book show Cain and Abel from uh, which sort of, you know, Harkens back to House of Mystery, House of Secrets, the original horror anthologies, but also sort of ties it into that Sandman thing. And in issue twenty-five, which was our Exquisite Corpse issue, where we uh, we passed the writing duties from one writer to the next without each knowing what the other was doing, uh, a lot of that Sandman stuff brought. We you know we brought in Lucy and the Librarian and Eve from the Cave and all that stuff. Uh, we never had, you know, Morpheus never makes an appearance. But you could tell that it's it's all out there someplace, you know, but uh, there it has no ties to the the DCU proper. And I think at one point, like the Secret Six were holed up in the House of Mystery or maybe it was the House of Secrets. I don't I don't remember which, but it was a different house, obviously. And, you know, it's one of those things like uh, continuity, schmahnuity, who cares? We're (laughs) just telling stories.
1: So are are you are you doing anything else for uh, DC in the in the coming reboot?
0: Uh, my name does not appear on any of the books in the upcoming reboot. No, uh, t- not at this time. No indication of that. Uh, so, so- you,
2: you can't talk about it. That's what he's saying. Aaron. He just, he- I, that's what I'm hearing.
0: No, I'm just trying to make myself <laughs> feel better by not just saying no. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: yeah, no, I'm not. Um, uh, no, there are no plans, uh, to do that, which is not to say that, that I won't do something in the future. Uh, like the door 's not closed by any stretch of the imagination it 's just that uh, there was I was talking to him about a particular uh, one particular project uh, which I obviously can 't name, but it just it didn 't come together uh, We had different ideas about what we wanted it to be, and you know i 've kind of reached a point in my career where I only want to do books that I think are are awesome uh things that i 'm really sold on you know and i 've done things in the past uh that i wasn 't completely sold on, and it 's come around to bite me in the ass so <laughs> From now on, you know my my intention is to only do things where I'm proud to have my name on it, uh, and, that's, and that's what I'm doing, and I've got some things coming up that I'm pretty excited
1: about. Are those things you can talk about?
0: Of course not. Of course But uh, if you watch the skies at San Diego Comic-Con, there will be an announcement of my newest project, which is a creator-owned graphic novel that I'm really excited about.
1: Oh, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting.
0: Um, I wish I could tell you more about it. You know, I've been sworn to secrecy and my my hide will be flayed if I say anything more. But uh, I will say that it is a uh, it's sort of a darkly comic book. It's definitely more Jack of Fables than, say, Blue Beetle. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've kind of been given free reign to uh, to really go off the wall and and tell a really fun story that that I want to tell. So I I think it's going to be great.
1: Can you tell us which publisher you're doing it with?
0: I cannot. That's part of the secret, oh, um, and don't. which which will make perfect sense when it's announced. Okay. That's all I can say. Okay. Mm. I'm trying not to be too hurt about this, but okay. Right. It's a thing about a thing, and some people are publishing it.
1: And Isn't great. that enough for you? Uh, you know, you're right. It is. Uh, press release. I've been really <laughs> don't specific Don't be so greedy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys have it here first. Matthew Sturgis is doing
1: something with someone. <laughs> so, Sometime so the the, the way I, I hear in my head the conversations that you had with uh, DC is that mm. y'all talked about a project. You, they mm. had an idea about it. You had a different idea about the project. And at mm. some point in this conversation, you stood up and said, do you know who I am? I'm Matthew damn Sturgis and flipped the table and walked out. Do I have that about right? Yeah, except it
0: was a phone call. So I slammed the phone down into its cradle, <laughs> uh, which it, it required me to go back in time to a time when they actually had phones, phones and you could slam in the cradles. Yeah. Uh, but it was really worth it to yeah. get, I, you know, you go to hell, I told Dan DiDio. <laughs> and that's so not what happened. No, it was uh, it, it was, you know, I I love uh, the editor that I was talking to about that that project. And um, after going back and forth, we both just decided that it, it wasn't. It wasn't sure. working out. It wasn't any, you know, it wasn't any. There was no
1: like, oh, you know, this is you're putting me through hell. It was nothing like that. It was very, very friendly. So when when we chatted way back in 2009, mm-hmm. um, you had had you know shared with us on that on that uh, episode that DC was the only publisher that you had done comic book work for. At the
0: time, that was true. Yes.
1: And now you're doing work for IDW and mm-hmm. uh, doc- doing a Doctor Who book. That is correct. Boy, that um, that thing, what a
0: dream come true for me, getting to write Doctor Who. Um, I've been a Doctor Who fan since I was like 10 years old, and it was kind of the thing that made me a geek. You know, everybody's got their their particular thing, whether it was Dungeons & Dragons or comic books or uh, Star Wars or whatever, but that was the thing that really sort of solidified me as an a, a outsider weirdo, uh, which that's what it made you in those days. Right. Um, and I didn't care, you know, I loved it. And it was the kind of thing where I just, I happened upon it in those days, they showed it on PBS on Sundays and I happened upon it one Sunday and had no idea what it is, but I was immediately transfixed, you know, all these things, you know, the time travel and spaceships and, and, you know, it was light. And there was humor and interesting ideas. I just thought it was the most amazing fucking thing I'd ever seen. And so I just, you know, I just went nuts for it. And I had um, I built a TARDIS out of Legos and <laughs> yes. I, I stole my dad's uh, uh, tire gauge out of his truck. And I remember I used to <laughs> wear it in my members-only jacket and I, <laughs> as my sonic screwdriver. <laughs> oh, God. The people thought I, at school thought I was such an idiot. You know, like, why is this moron walking around with <laughs> a tire, the tire gauge?
1: pressure gauge? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the things we do for our, our geekdom, you know. I was fr- flying my freak flag high in those days. Now, to fully uh,
1: paint the picture, what color was your members-only jacket? It was silver.
0: Okay. It was silver. And I, and I wore it with the sleeves pushed up. Oh, of course, you know,
1: and you were pretty, you were wearing a, a golf shirt beneath it and with it, with the collar turned up. It was an Izod, correct? Okay. It was
0: a it was my only Izod shirt. It was green, and it had a little alligator on it. And so I made my mom wash it, like you know, every day, so I could wear it like three times a week. I'm sure people thought I was a complete idiot.
2: <laughs> uh, so, so you were like a cartoon character wearing yeah, the same the
0: day. Exactly. <laughs> I was like Gilligan. Yeah. You know? uh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't get get any semblance of, of coolness oh. until uh, uh, my later teenage years. But anyway, uh, Doctor Who. So. I, when I was talking to, uh, Denton Tipton, who's my editor at IDW, you know, and he was sort of running a list of projects past me. And it was like, you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And he's like, what did you know? Do you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, well, yeah. And he's like doctor who, yes, 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 yes. You know, if I like could have reached through the phone and grabbed him by the neck and said, yes, make, make it happen. I would have. Um, and so I got to write this, uh, awesome four issue miniseries starring the 11th doctor, uh, who is, uh, you know, who has really won me over. And, and now I'm, I'm totally in love with, uh, with what's going on and who right now. And so it's, it's real great to be 100% behind the thing that I'm doing the, the tie in for. It's like one of my favorite things ever. So, um, you know, it's, I, I'm not the type to, you know, I wouldn't sign on to do a lot of media tie in things, but I would do. I'd write Doctor Who bubblegum cards. I wouldn't care just to do it, you know. And so I did it. And uh, I think the fourth and final issue comes out in the next couple of weeks. I'm not exactly sure when, but I'm super happy with it. And uh, gorgeous covers by Mark Buckingham. uh, The variant covers by Amy Amy Meberson that everyone seems to love. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, Brian Shearer uh, inked the first two issues and over kelly yates and drew the final two issues on his own and just did a a bang up job so yeah i'm real happy with that thing
1: so when they when they offered you the book what kind of you know direction did they give you did they you know it has to be the current doctor it has to be this has to be that what what, what kind of direction did you get
0: all they said was they wanted it to be the 11th doctor Mm -hmm. which is fine because that's what i would have pitched to them anyway
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and So and that was the only parameter that they gave, and so I it was really easy, you know. I I wrote the pitch, you know, and like that day and turned it in, and they were like, yeah, sure, okay, you know. And I kept waiting for the blowback. I kept waiting for the hard part, you know, because so often when you work with licensors, you know, things can get real sticky. And I've heard horror stories from friends who you know, we're working with some tie-in based on a video game or something, and the licensor will come back and go, well, actually, you know, a level two priestess does not have that ability, so you're <laughs> going to have to change your entire story to accommodate this obscure notion in our video game. But the BBC was so awesome. I mean, they I'd send in the scripts, and, and I would do my notes for, for my editor, and they'd send it off to the BBC, and and they had very, very few notes. And I think part of it was that, you know, because I'm so... Uh, you know, I know so much about the character in the show um, that there there weren't a lot of missteps that I would have made, you know, th- like if it, if it had been some other thing like Transformers or something, which I know absolutely nothing about, you know, I would have made tons of errors and mischaracterizations and stuff. But doing Doctor Who is the kind of thing where it's like I can hear the characters' voices in my head so easily uh, and I know the world and the kinds of stories that 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 Doctor Who works with, so it was never really an issue. And there was only just a couple of little notes that they sent back, and one of them I fought, I fought back on because they were wrong, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny because I'm like, the BBC is telling me this one thing, and I'm like, no, actually you're wrong. And um, you know, I, I could feel like my geek voice turning on in my head, like, actually, if you uh, if you look at the episode, The Big Bang, at uh, <laughs> at five minutes and forty two seconds, you'll see very clearly that the Doctor checks his watch in the manner which I have described in the script. And uh, Which is it, almost verbatim what the email said. Uh, <laughs> and it's true, by the way. It, I'm absolutely correct. They were wrong. Uh, and they yielded to my superior knowledge.
2: <laughs> I got to say, this is the first conversation I've had about Doctor Who since I started getting into it. I actually started watching it with this current season. Okay. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm fascinated that you're writing a Doctor Who comic book because I, I, I love the hell out of this season.
0: It's so good. But you really owe it to yourself to go back and watch the previous one because the the previous season has some of the best Doctor Who episodes ever written in it. And if you go back to the the previous uh, seasons of the new series, um, anything written by Stephen Moffat is just fantastic. I mean, the episode uh, Blink from the third season, which is Mm -hmm. a Stephen Moffat episode, is probably it's certainly the best Doctor Who story I've ever seen. And it's one of the best hours of television I think I've ever seen in my life. It's just an exquisitely written piece of TV, and uh, you just—you all owe it to yourselves. If you're—if you're not anyone listening to this, anyone with an earshot of anyone listening to this, you know, get on Netflix. You can stream it. Uh, it's Doctor Who season three, Blink. Um, and you'll—if you weren't a Doctor Who fan before that, then I don't know what to tell you. I, we don't want you.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> I have seen it thanks to Netflix. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Totally.
0: <laughs> Good cuz we were going to come to blows if you hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: seen yeah, I love it. Fantastic. Don't hurt don't hurt me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, since you've wrapped up uh this series of, of your your Doctor Who story, will you be doing another one? Is it,
0: I I don't know. You know, I'm going to have to corner Denton at at San Diego and and shake him up, uh, shake him down. What do you do with someone when you want something out? You shake him down, shake him down Um, and, and demand that I get to do more, more doctor who Um, right now, you know, I've, I've been super busy working on some things like the the secret project and, and for a couple of months here uh, in the, the later parts of, of 2011, it's going to seem like I've disappeared for a little bit unless some other thing, come, you know, comes up that, uh, you know, I've always got irons in the fire and stuff. <laughs> but uh, I'm actually sort of like uh, uh, I have a, a, a several things that are I'm working on but that just haven't been announced that I can't talk about. And so I'm not disappearing. I'm just uh, maybe I'm molting or hibernating <laughs> like a You've bear. you gone in your cocoon? I have and I will emerge. A, a beautiful
1: with, you know. butterfly.
0: I will. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's kind of weird, because, uh, you know, the past few years, especially when I was exclusive with DC, you know, I just had stuff coming out all the time. And, you know, there were months when I would have, you know, five books coming out in a single month. And um, it's just so like the way the stars have aligned. It's just like I have a couple of things that are ending and a couple of things that are starting but there's going to be some lag time in between. So I'm, I think I'm going to be real freaked out when a month goes by if I don't have any comics coming out. And so that's going to be kind of weird. So we'll just see how that goes.
1: Well, we'll do a whole series at the beginning of 2011 of where in the world is Matt Sturgis. Yeah, that would be great. Or, whatever you know, happened what have, to Matt Sturgis. Whatever happened to
0: Matt Sturgis, yeah. <laughs> Matt Sturgis behind the comics.
1: That's right, that's right.
2: Yeah. The yeah. funny book's true Hollywood story Matt Sturgis.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> But you know what what's interesting is that the, the the big project that's getting announced at San Diego is a uh, a series of graphic novels. so since it won't be monthly comics, it's, you know it's not coming out every month it's coming mm-hmm. out every six months or every eight months or however often it, it happens more like in the you know the book publishing world, and so there's this fear that kind of grips me when I think about it of like, well God is, it, are they all going to forget me?" You know, yeah. during during the midtime, especially because the you know talking about some of the other projects I'm talking about are also graphic novel projects. So it's kind of weird thinking in terms of of things that aren't monthly comics. But the market is changing. Absolutely, and monthly comics are something that I think you're going to see less and less of over time. Um, you, I think you're going to see a lot more digital, and I think you're going to see a lot more graphic novels because there's not the money. In printing periodicals anymore, and yeah. and more and more they function as you know essentially advertisement for trade paperbacks that do mm. make money, right? So you know DC holding the line at two ninety nine is they're they're holding the line at you know uh, doing the best they can to you know get some revenue out of these things while still pushing the trade paperbacks, and and God bless them because I think we you know we love our monthly comic books, you know, and I think we should hold on to them for as as long as we can, but I don't think anybody knows what the future holds for comics. You know, we all have our ideas and, you know, I think the iPad definitely shook things up and will continue to. And, you know, I see more and more people reading digital comics and, and I certainly see, you know, every time an issue of one of my comics comes out, it's available, you know, on any number of BitTorrent sites to be downloaded. (laughs) Yeah. Um, then in fact, uh, I don't know if I'm if I'm supposed to admit this or not. But once I was, uh, I was writing uh, an issue of uh, maybe House of Mystery, and I needed to do some I needed a reference, and I uh, didn't have my books with me because I was out at the Starbucks, of course. And so I like a bit torn into this issue of my own comic. Like, do I get in trouble if I do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm afraid it. so. <laughs> know, do we do we need to edit this out? So, like, <laughs> copy- <laughs> don't I don't. know but kids don't illegally download your comics for god's sake you know the you know and i talk to people who who download comics and i understand you know i don't because i am in a creative field um you know i've I've come to understand a lot more the position of people who are you know against the the idea of of, you know pirating stuff Mm -hmm. and i totally get that um In comics, it is especially deadly because the difference between publication and cancellation, uh, so many of the the books that you love are hovering right above that line. And the margin is so close that, I mean, you know, think of your favorite Vertigo title, Um, you know, a book like The Unknown Soldier. If a thousand people were downloading that and not buying it, those thousand people, had they been buying the book, could have saved that book. Yeah, you know. So it's not we're not talking about millions of 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 thing. I mean, it's just like the difference is so scant uh, that I mean, you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you download comics. So I I don't pro- profess to know anything about any other industry, nor would I tell anyone what to do. But I really, you know, if you are downloading comics illegally, I just I really wish you'd stop because you're hurting comics by doing that, and that's like no lie. It's actually really true.
1: Well, and I think that's what's so um, impressive about DC's initiative to have day and date releases. You know, that is a very good thing. That is a great idea. And, I, I, and- I do too. I mean, the the ability. I think I'll, sometimes I think people torrent media because it's not available. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. uh, you know, I if you, I, I think of, of you know folks who live in rural communities who don't have access to a comic book shop. You know? Sure. So you know they can't go and get their their issue of whatever on Wednesday, but they can certainly go torrent it by Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I don't endorse that. I don't think it's a good thing. But you know, if you don't make it available for people, sometimes you know you're encouraging them to do something you know unethical. So I love that it's going to be available. You know,
0: yeah, and I think comics has done oddly. Uh, uh, comics has done a much better job than other media in embracing digital, you know, like the, the recording industry could never, they never got it together. And so it took years for something like iTunes to come out. And even then it's, that's still all screwed up. Yeah. Um, and you know, everything's unavailable and the pricing is wonky, but you know, the, the notion like, you know, anyone could go on right now and buy my doctor who comic Mm-hmm. from idw and you could be reading it on your ipad in less than a minute and i highly recommend that you do that mm-hmm. uh, uh because that's good for me uh <laughs> but yeah it's just it's just such a smart thing and and really the the ability now that the kind of devices that are getting sold just you know by the by the truckload yeah uh that can display comics in a really great way to where it's almost to the point where it's a superior format than the the periodical and maybe maybe i'll get you know crucified for saying that but i mean a, a beautiful comic on a beautiful screen uh that i can download and and flip through without having to you know g- you know put on pants that's a pretty <laughs> uh, astounding thing yeah. and you know, and it's hard because you know the direct market is such a, a, a central thing. The idea of the comic book store is so integral to comic books in a way that I don't think even record stores,
1: yeah,
0: were uh, went back. Remember when they had record stores? At way or, back when, or, yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I I wonder, you know, and I'm sure retailers worry uh, about what's what's happening, and but. You know, the the store that I shop at, Austin Books.
1: That's a great in, store. I love Austin Books. The
0: best comic book store on the planet, if you ask me. Um, and I'm so lucky that I live 20 minutes away from it and I get yeah. to shop there every week. Um, they are doing a very brisk business. And... So, I mean, I don't think we're in we're in dire straits. I think there's room for for everything because who doesn't want to go to the comic book store and and flip through comics? Well,
1: you know, we were having this conversation on a on a recent episode, but um, I think that digital will actually bring more readers in. I think I think it exposes more folks to a our hobby, you know, and your Mm. livelihood (laughs) that, you know. Right now has to go to either the, the you know, direct market store, you know, the comic book shop, or they've mm. got to go to the graphic novel section at Barnes & Nobles. Right. And right now that's really their choice. And how many people are, are, who are not currently reading comics and don't have a background in reading comics are making that choice all of a sudden one day, I'm going to go to a comic book shop? Right. You know, and the availability of it being you know being being able to you know digitally download it load it to your iPad or whatever other device you might be using uh, I think that's going to expand the readership and I think that readership will then say well wait a minute there is a special store down the street from me that sells this kind of stuff let's go check that out
0: yeah I, I certainly hope that's the case I mean if you walk into a Barnes and Noble God love them they sell my books but um, you know you you walk into the one shelf of of comic books and you know, of course, the first thing I do is take my books out and front face them so that <laughs> everyone can see them. Uh, but then you look at the shelves and you see they're often, you know, in disarray. Right. And, you know, there's no order to them. And the selections are questionable sometimes. And and so you think, you know, to the the new reader coming in and looking at that, going, God, what the hell? Where do I start? How do you know? What's good? Yeah. How do I know? And, of course, no one at Barnes & Noble knows. It's not like... There's someone standing there who can say, well, you know, what do you like? And if you like that, maybe you'll like this, you know, the way that a a good comic store employee would. Right. So I hope that that's the case. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if if every comic book had a, you know, uh, something on the cover that said, you know, go here and and learn where your local comic shop is so you can.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, if for things like the, you know, comics that are downloaded through Comixology. You know, and and the the Marvel app and the Marvel and the DC app, um, they ought to have a you know the locate me now find the mm-hmm. comic shop, you know. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? That would be great because I'd love to you see know, that I, kind of integration.
0: You know, I think we've all had the experience where you know I will go into you know I, I don't always keep my ear to the ground in terms of what's good in in comics, uh, so I'll walk in and I'll I'll find someone at the shop and I'll say hey what's good what are you reading right now, yeah. and you know they get that look in their eye you know. Yeah. And they say, oh, well, you, oh, you got to check this out. you got to check out uh, you know, Lock and Key or you got to check out Morning Glories. And that's how you discover the good stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So, And I don't think that the internet will replace that. It might replace it, but I don't think it will do as good a job. And it certainly won't create that sense of community.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I do think that the comic shops like Austin Books and Zeus Comics up here in Dallas and uh, great Paul store. was – What's the name Love of your them. shop up there in uh, Norfolk?
2: Local Heroes Local Comics.
1: He- These are all shops that do a fantastic job of you know moving their product, building a community. I mean, it is just fantastic shops. I think those guys will succeed in the advent of a digital market. I think the guys mm-hmm. who run it like their basement, you know, uh, are gonna are really gonna have a hard time when digital takes off. Yeah. And you know, digital could be taken off pretty quick.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. I, yeah. I can't wait to see where it goes. I just hope I'm part of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you will be, Matt. Yeah. Uh, when you were on last time, we talked about your your novel, Midwinter, and since yes. then you have uh, written and published a sequel, Office Correct. of Shadow. Now, uh, I read and loved Midwinter. And Thank you you. Know, for our fans, it's kind of like the Dirty Dozen with elves. Exactly. And just a fantastic, very entertaining book. I confess I have not yet read The Office of Shadow, and I've been holding out for the mm. audiobook because I enjoyed the audiobook so much for Midwinter. Do you have other plans to do an audiobook for Office of Shadow?
0: I don't know. The only way I knew that there was an audiobook for Midwinter was that the narrator called me. And said, uh, hey, I'm narrating the audiobook version of of Midwinter, and I have no idea how to pronounce all these fucking names. Will you please (laughs) tell me how to pronounce them? And that's how I found out that that was happening. So, you know, I'm always the last to know anything. Um, But to my knowledge, no. I mean, if it hasn't happened by now, uh, 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 it's probably not going to. Uh, So that's the – but, you know, I will say that uh, I love Midwinter – uh, you know, it's my first. It's first. No, it's the first long form anything I ever wrote because I I wrote it before I started writing comics. Right. Um, and I'm looking. I have a framed print of the cover on my wall next to the Office of Shadow as well. Um, hung. They have pride of place here in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, Office of Shadow is a much better book. Um, I think just objectively, it's it's also it's longer, so that must mean it's better, right? Because right, got yeah, there's more pages. O- more awesome words in it. Exactly. Um, and that, that, if, if midwinter is the dirty dozen with elves, the office of shadow is a cold war spy thriller with elves. And I think that it, uh, you know, I'm no George R. R. Martin, but I think that, that people who enjoy, uh, the song of ice and fire would also probably enjoy office of shadow because they share a lot of common themes, common elements. Uh, my book has many, many fewer characters, but that's really not saying much, I guess. And mine also doesn't have an HBO miniseries. Ah. Uh, so there's that.
1: What about incest? Is there incest? There is,
0: um, I'm trying to think, you know, cause we do, and we did incest in Jack of Fables. I hate to repeat myself. Yeah. There is very little, if any, incest in either of those novels. There so, is, there so is there's no hot
1: brother on sister action is what you're saying.
0: I'm trying to think, well, you know, the, the queen in, in my books doesn't have a brother. Uh. So that makes it a lot harder, you know, but it, you know, if, if Lena Headley, Hey, if Lena Headley was my sister. I'd think about it. That's all, I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
1: So are there any other, uh, uh, do you have any other elf books coming uh, in this series?
0: I don't. You know, it's it's funny. There was a third book planned, mm-hmm. and I had contract to write the book. Um, so there was nothing stopping me writing it. The, the only problem is that the economics of the science fiction fantasy publishing world are fairly grim mm-hmm. right now. And there's not a whole hell of a lot of money to be made you know on the, in the midlist, which I am certainly a midlist fantasy author and so you know when I look at my my paycheck from from Office of Shadow as compared to my paycheck for writing a single issue of any comic book and they're in the same order of magnitude Wow then you, it's it's hard to. Plunk yourself down for six months and write a novel when you know you're only going to get a few thousand dollars for it. Sure. You know, sure. and that that was the the really unhappy decision that I had to make was that you know I can't afford to write this book as much as I want to write it. Right. You know, I have mouth I have mouths to feed, so the outline right. is, is sitting on my computer. someday I'll, I'm sure I'll write it. Maybe someday I'll write it and just put it out uh, as an ebook or something because mm-hmm. you know I get emails all the time from people asking me when the third book is coming out, and I feel terrible telling them uh yeah i don't couldn't couldn't tell you yeah <laughs> and so, sometimes I'll be like you want me to tell you what happens in it'cause <laughs> you know it's like I'm real excited about, you know because it's a really awesome story. it's this one the third book when it assuming I ever write it uh is called uh, a Revolution in Silver, which is an awesome title that's a good and title it's uh it's Reds with elves, so it's kind of like the October it's... Revolution in uh the fairy Kingdom
1: have you thought about something like a Kickstarter program?
0: You know, that's a really good idea. You know, I hadn't thought about it and and until now. And now that I'm thinking about it, my uh, my main concern is because of my, you know, incredible uh, uh, insecurity is that no one would kick in.
1: That, <laughs> that would, that would be, be my fear. If I like, was doing I got, something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much are we up to? You know, $40. <laughs> and there, and that was 20 from your mom. <laughs> right,
0: 20 was from <laughs> my mom. And my dad would contribute. Yeah. <laughs> But the other twenty was me, <laughs> so yeah, that would be my my biggest fear. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so you know, anyone listening, if you think it'd be a good idea, let me know.
1: Well, I think um, it'd be a good idea, and I would totally kick in. So okay, yeah, that's, that's just, good. just so you know, so, All right, so
0: you, we're up to we're up to forty five now. That's right. <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that I've started a new thing. Uh, which is I've begun doing interviews for a podcast of my own.
2: Uh-oh! What? And Competition. Th- this is false. Yes. We're to yeah. make this
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but my my podcast is different. It doesn't have a title yet. I'm still trying to come up with one, so if, if you have an idea for a, for a title, by all means, um, anyone who comes up with the title will get something for free that I could send you. But um, it is a podcast about writing and what i do is i interview other writers mainly comic book writers right now because that's most of the writers that i know um and we have very in-depth talks about the process of writing about who they are as people what brought them to writing their philosophy of writing we don't talk about individual projects so much there's none of the kind of like hey you know tell us about book X. Um, so I think, you know, you guys uh, and another comic book podcast do a great job of doing that, that type of interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I saw that I think w- was lacking was uh, really in depth interviews about our craft. And that's something that, that I really wanted to do. And also for me as a writer, just getting the chance to sit down and talk to other writers uh, so far has been a real treat. And yeah. I was lucky enough to, participate in the clockwork storybook retreat that we had here in texas a couple weeks ago and so i got to sit down with bill willingham and chris robertson and daryl gregory who's writing the new oh, planet of the apes book big
1: daryl gregory fans yeah oh, he was on it? a couple weeks ago actually
0: yeah. oh he's just sickeningly talented that yeah. guy and he's this nicest guy in the world and i love him to pieces and his new book uh raising stony mayhall if i was going to plug anything on your podcast i would say when that book comes out you need to run out and buy it because it is the best zombie novel ever written and it is absolutely completely unlike any other zombie story you've ever read um i just i can't recommend that book highly enough
1: now were you aware that daryl gregory is secretly british
0: i you know i don't buy it for a second I've I've spent uh many hours in conversation with a man and there's no trace of an accent.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. He he that's because he is he is so covert about his <laughs> Britishness. But yes, he is secretly British. But I mean just be like just, just pronounce just pronounce the name of that book to yourself. Raising Stony Mayhole. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is just, that how he says it? That is is exactly that the giveaway? That's exactly how he says it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Raising exactly. Stony Mayhole. Raising
1: Stony Mayhole.
0: Yeah. It sounds better when you
1: say it like that. It really, Raising Stony Mayhole by Daryl Gregory. I, don't I think Gregory. I'm just I'm going to start talking like that. It sounds great. Oh, and you know, because you're writing Doctor Who now, so you know you can you can claim that. So,
0: well, yeah, and you know, anglophile that I am, nothing tickles me more than getting to write uh, write characters with English accents because I feel like I can I can pull it off. <laughs> um, so when I got when I wrote this issue of Zatanna that came out uh, a couple of months ago, uh, I had the, the character be a, a Chav uh, because I I just I really love that the the intonations that those guys are you familiar with the chav what a chav is yeah uh, a lot of americans aren't familiar with the, the chavs are basically like the the white trash of of england and they um they have a very distinct manner of of speaking and they wear burberry clothes and with the hats and they're kind of thuggish and um but if uh, if you've seen that that internet video of the uh, the personal massive rappers those three teenage boys who are yeah. rapping those are like textbook chavs, and so I made my the villain in that satanic story a chav, and I think so some some British readers got a got a kick out of it because they knew who exactly who I was making fun of, but I think uh, some American readers are like well, that's just a weird British guy, <laughs> but, you know any, anything to show that I uh, you know have some kind of secret knowledge of, of England, a place which I've never been to uh, and, and know next to nothing about except for things that I've read and, and seen, but God, I just wish I was British so bad.
1: There, I've admitted it. You watch a lot of masterpiece theater, so you're good.
0: I do, and I'm addicted to uh, to British television, and I'll, I'll watch pretty much any show that has come out. I mean, the uh, Stephen Moffat produced uh, Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. it was just phenomenal, and uh, there are so many uh, so many good shows. Uh, Gavin and Stacey, one of the best uh, romantic comedies that I've ever seen. Um, I could go on for days, but I won't because I know that you're trying to end the podcast, not (laughs) extend it.
2: Well, before we actually so you were talking about your podcast, you've talked to Mm -hmm. Chris Robertson, Daryl Gregory, Bill Willingham. uh, Mm -hmm. Anybody else that you've talked to at this point or any idea when you might be starting that podcast up?
0: Well, I like, you know, I just started two weeks ago. I was kind of going back and forth like, was I really going to do this? Was I going to commit the time to really, you know, do it? And because, you know, I got to edit the thing and stuff and make the website and all that and i don't know maybe you guys know how to do that but i'm still working it out um
2: cough cough we know where you can house it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll host that for you yeah um all right well maybe we can talk after the show but um yeah i'm i'm putting together a list of people that i'm going to try and and corner uh in san diego and you know one of the nice things about being a writer is that i know lots of writers and so it's it's easy for me to cajole people into sitting down and And really having an in-depth conversation, you know, and that's that's really what I'm looking for. So I'm hoping it'll be something that that people really enjoy and, and get a lot out of, especially if they are writers or aspiring writers who want kind of a look under the hood of, you know, how how experienced writers think and how they approach their craft and stuff
1: like that. Well, we would be happy to pimp that for you. So, you know, when you're ready to uh, release your first episode, let us know and, and we'll pimp it on the website because I, I know that I would love to listen to it. So and I know Great. our, our I, listeners would as well. Appreciate it much. Absolutely. Well, Matt, thanks so much for coming out. Thank you for having me. I
0: really appreciate it. Uh, Love talking to you guys uh, as before, and uh, let's do it again. You know, we don't have to wait two years.
1: I, we don't. We don't. I, you know, I, I know that you and Paul were beefing for a while there, and uh, I'm just glad to see that you two could put it back together. Yeah, you oh, know,
0: it's it. an East Coast West Coast thing. I know. I don't. Yeah. You know.
2: Let's not bring it up. You know,
0: if we you know if we start going down that road now, who knows what you know? That's right. Knives could be drawn. I I don't yeah, want to get into it.
1: About it. That's right. You know.
0: Yeah, you know, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Paul knows what he did.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. End the podcast. Hurry. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent.
1: Thanks so much, Matt. My pleasure. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.